Hello again, everyone. I'm Tim Muma, and you're listening to localjobnetwork.com radio. And welcome into the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. Now, we've sent Jacqueline Peterson away on a special assignment, so she won't be joining us today. However, we have, as usual with us today, Lynn Molitor. Hi, everyone. And two regular contributors that we have to the show, Liz Dotson. Hello, hello. And Ashley Fitzgerald. Hello. Well, we have officially reached the month of May as we start this recording and this edition of the quad. So perhaps we're looking at a transition of sorts to some new weather, some better weather here in Wisconsin where we're recording. Hopefully. <laughs> Speaking of transitions, Lynn, that's kind of what you had in mind with our first topic today. Yeah. So last quad, we actually talked about common mistakes that can be made by new managers. But me liking, you know, preferring to be more positive, I wanted to put a (laughs) twist on it and say, let's talk about why people should make the leap from a team member into a leadership role, be it a team lead, a manager, whatever is leadership in your organization. Why would um, management be a good fit for them? (laughs) So I thought I'd toss that out there. I I think that... um, Leadership roles are good growth opportunities, you know, for people, especially if you're high achievers um, and you kind of keep working towards that next level. What is the next level? You know, if someone is interested in gaining more responsibility, um, I think that's good to kind of delve into into a leadership position. And, you know, sometimes people are just kind of natural leaders as well um, on a work team. And so then that kind of is another reason why, hey, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll take a look into what it's all about. I know actually, though, in my particular case, my manager actually asked me to be a manager. Mm-hmm. So she kind of pitched me. It wasn't something that <laughs> I was looking for. And uh, she was very nice, you know, and she gave me the option to um, go home and talk about it with, the, you know, whoever's at home and, <laughs> and to think about it. But for me personally, it helped just to know that she had the confidence in me that I could do the job. So even though I had some qualms about it, mm-hmm. um, just her showing that faith in me got me over the hump. So, and it's been a good ride. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely agree with a lot of those pieces. Um, I think some other areas that I had thought of was, you know, really just kind of realizing or if you feel like it, do you enjoy helping people? Do you enjoy influencing them or getting them to the next step? And if that's something that um, you enjoy and you feel like is a good attribute um, of yourself, then then management is probably the role that you want to go down or the path that you want to go down. I also thought something too, just kind of on a, a bigger scale, is if you have a lot of ideas or um, different things that you're thinking of that might benefit the company, but maybe you're just not at the right stage in order to voice those opinions or ideas, then also you might want to think about going down the management level too, because you might be able to get more involved from a company standpoint and um, really bring forth some different perspectives and ideas that you might be thinking of as well. I thought about that too with the, the bigger picture. I mean, as you continue to move up in an organization and you get involved working with additional people, you know, that's the great thing is, um, you know, as you transition into more of a leader role or manager role, you tend to open up who you're having conversation with and who you're working with on certain things. You also get to expand what you're working on. Um, you know, if you've got a lot of knowledge to share, 
you want to utilize that. And so, you know, moving into that next level is a great way to do it. And it does give you a bigger picture perspective, which is nice too. So you probably will end up learning a lot more about the organization in different areas as well. I think both of you bring up great points as far as if you have those ideas, it's really easy to sort of be just your average everyday employee and have these great ideas and not understand how it fits into the grand scheme of everything. So I think I think that makes a ton of sense with that. One thing I would point to is, uh, you know, Ashley brought up helping people. I think just being able to work with people in general and sort of having that understanding of how people fit together, like that may be an indication that you're in a position or you have that maturity, that experience to take a step forward and take someone under your wing, even if it's a, a peer or colleague, maybe it's in a, a different department you're working on something and start small. It doesn't have to be in my mind, it doesn't have to be anything like, oh yeah, well, I'm running this and I'm, I'm handling this person. But I think if you start putting yourself out there a little bit at a time, leading by example, uh, you know, here, for example, we well, always have new people coming in and, and being able to sort of show them the ropes. I think that's, Linda, your point of having that little bit of natural leadership and it gives you an idea that, hey, you may be able to step into this role here and it'll show something to your manager. Uh, I guess I would throw out quickly just out of curiosity with you three here. If I, as an individual, think, hey, I, I can take this leadership role or step up to be a manager, how do you broach that subject? If, you know, in Lynn case, you said your manager came to you with it, but what if I just feel like, hey, I want to I take on that role? I would respond to that by participating in additional projects as they come up, asking for additional responsibilities, have that discussion with your manager and, hey, I'd like to get more involved. Is there any other opportunities that, you know, I might have to Mm -hmm. be able to do that? So I would say come forward with your desire to because Mm -hmm. that's like. Yeah, definitely. Best case scenario (laughs) for a manager. (laughs) Right. Yeah, because a lot of times um, managers are more than willing to mentor whoever um, is on their team, uh, depending on what their interests are. And yeah, if someone would come and say, I want to be a manager, that's like gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good. I think I think obviously we uh, gave the listeners a little bit of a, an inside look at how that might work. And of course, I think also the useful tips there by Lynn and Liz as far as how to do that. Uh, now, if you get into that role of leadership or, or in a management type position, um, you may be asked to represent the company, attend events. Uh, so, Liz, that's sort of right up your alley in the topic you wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, great transition, Tim. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a segue, as we like to call it in the media, segue. Oh, good. Not the not the little vehicle you ride around. <laughs> anyway. Well, we do have a few team members out this week. They are attending a conference, and so I thought the timing would be good to talk about best tips and practices on making sure that it is effective. I mean, obviously, company time and resources, including that individual's um, time has been spent um, attending the conference. And so it would be great to just share ideas as to what you think makes uh, a conference effective for not only the person attending, but other uh, also sharing it with the company and making sure that it definitely has its value in the, in the long term. So any ideas out there? I think it's helpful. Um, I know in the case of um, the two individuals who are out there, who are actually Jacqueline and um, Jamie, Oh yes. uh, who is another quad <laughs> member, are both out at a conference now. And they, um, they actually updated you know, our peer group before they left with, this is our plan of attack and how we're going to attend this conference. Is there anything else you would like us to look out for? Mm. for mm-hmm. And we each have a different perspectives of the conference. So I appreciated that. 
And then I know, like, Liz, you're actually getting feedback already from the conference. Right. Oh, so great. it's not like... Um, <laughs> It's not like when I used to 10 years ago when you had to wait for the person to get back mm-hmm. to get the update. We're getting just-in-time info. So I like that, too. The other things I would note on that is in attending a lot of different conferences, I think a lot of people are there and they kind of let loose sometimes. And um, just to remember that you are there, like Liz said, for a business purpose, you know, it's company sponsored or paid for. And um, to just remember that and I guess really be attentive because there's also been a lot of times um, where I've just noticed in attending conferences and sessions that people are constantly on their laptops or on their phones. And it's, Mm -hmm. and it's really, you know, that's not what you're there for. You, your company had asked you to go to this conference, so pay attention, learn something from it. I mean, you're there for a reason. So I would say some of those were were the the key things that um, I tend to do when I go to conferences, and I just think it's something to be aware of uh, when you are there and catch up on work, you know, during off time or free time or at lunch, and and really take full advantage of the sessions and conference. Yeah, because especially in that case, I, I'm always. Uh, aware that you don't want a speaker at a session looking out at an audience and they're That's, all on their cell phones right. and laptops. Very true. Yeah. You know, and you've talked, you've talked already, Ashley, at, at um, conferences, and I'm sure... That's not the audience that you want to look at. Right, right. That's a good point. That's where you got to use the old teacher trick and like slam a book on the floor <laughs> just to get their attention. Maybe it's not professional. I don't know. It works. It's effective. <laughs> hey. uh, I, would, I would point to just using it and not in any sort of you know sleazy way, but just as a natural way to network. I think no matter what your position is, no matter what company you work at, um, just you know talking with the person next to you, finding out what they do. I mean, you're there for obviously some sort of similar reason. So you have that connection and you know, for myself, it might be a radio guest. For for someone else, it might be a, a sales you know a opportunity or just a partnership in some way. You know, maybe you're in a similar industry and you, you can help each other out. Um, so I would look at it as being again something that's more natural. You're not like constantly out there trying to sell yourself. It's not a job fair of some <laughs> sort. Um, but just having those natural conversations to help. It, I think it helps you stay engaged with what you're doing. Um, sort of the points that you've all brought up of. You know, you're there for a purpose. Uh, you can enjoy yourself a little bit. You can have some camaraderie with these people, but it's also still pointed toward that organization that you're representing. And, and maybe, maybe you get something out of it. Maybe you can help somebody else um, with something that you do. Uh, I think it's a, a great natural way to to build a relationship with, even if it's just one person or one company. Um, it, it sort of adds to the components of of the value of that conference. That's what I would throw out there. You do make a good point. We don't want at least the people from the local job network to attend conferences and look for other jobs for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that, was more, what, that was more the emphasis of like, don't go out there being right. like, hey, this is what we do. Hey, hey, hey. Because I mean, I've seen that occur at different things. So anyway. All right. Well, so we touched on the idea of leadership and then heading conference um, you know, events and obviously how you may have to represent yourself. I'm going to bring it back to the workplace, respectively. And uh, I've always been kind of fascinated with the idea and the concept of trust, You know, whether it be on a personal level, professional level. So that's what I was curious to throw out there, get some ideas from each of you on the ways that you can build trust. Uh, first of all, maybe with your direct reports, if you are a manager, because sometimes you know there might be that insecurity of, um, can I trust this person who's leading me or what's sort of our relationship there? Uh, but even among peers as well. And again, I'm looking at it more from a professional trust than a, uh, <laughs> I can tell you about my family and you're not going <laughs> to spill spill the beans on that. But uh, but I think it's a huge part. I think it's a huge thing to be able to trust that 
person A is going to be able to do their job or person B is going to be able to, you know, fill me in on how things work around here. So I just wanted to get some tips and pointers out there to the listeners as far as how any of you try to build trust naturally or, or you know, in a formal way. Well, you, jo- you joked about the family, but I really do think <laughs> getting to know the, your direct reports as people and not just um, as workers, so to speak, mm-hmm. or coworkers is a good thing. Sure. It does help establish um, that trust because you're taking an interest in them as a human being and not just serving a certain purpose. So I do think that that's important. Um, other things that, you know, you can do from there. I mean, being empathetic to situations is always good too. But overall, I mean, asking for input, taking their recommendations, um, being able to follow up appropriately when, you know, you let them know, okay, I'm going to get back to you by X time, get back to them by X time, because that that can diminish trust if they can't rely on you. Um, Also, sharing information, as you mentioned, is really important too, because it's good to be able to give them that bigger perspective. I know we talked about having that bigger picture um, in one of our previous topics. But it is important that they understand the bigger picture and the purpose because it it's giving them that knowledge that they wouldn't otherwise know. Hmm. So those are my thoughts. <laughs> I would definitely agree and, and build off of that. Um, I think communication standpoints and really just being honest overall is a huge way to um, make sure that people do trust you, whether it's from other departments or your direct reports. I mean, you always want to either let them know what, what they're doing great or where the, the you know opportunity lies as well. And I think that um, being able to be open and honest like that really helps them understand like, wow, I, I can be open or I can bring this forward because I know it means something. And the other thing that I really feel like is is a a good piece is lead by example. Um, you know, they're gonna you're gonna be able to trust them then because you can hold them accountable. They can hold you accountable. Um, but just to lead with you know what you want them to do. If you can do it, then then they'll have that trust in you as well. So basically, all um, Ashley and Liz basically <laughs> have all my notes that I, I jotted down. The only way I would summarize it is the way that I try and uh, work and the way I try to actually lead my life is to uh, treat others like I would like to be treated. And so, you know, just open, honest, friendly communication and to admit um, when I may not have all the answers and I'll try and get back to you on it, you know, and even sometimes, you know, it's like I don't have an answer for you, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, I think um, that throughout the years has proven okay for me. I don't know. Maybe when I'm not managing the people, they're all jumping for joy. So I have no idea. (laughs) Come on. I wouldn't say that. Untrue. You never know. That is true. That is true. You never know. Uh, Well, let me uh, put all of you on the spot quick then since we have a little a little bit of time before we get to our last topic. And I know everyone's excited for that last topic, but um, have you been in a situation where that trust was broken in some way or lost? And and what are, how do you build that back up without it seeing sort of, I don't know, I don't want to say phony or, uh, I know you guys talked about the ideas of, um, you know, really getting to know people on a personal level. And but I think Liz, you brought it up first, the idea that if you say, I'm going to get back to you at a certain time and you never do, or I'm going to get this done and you don't, how do you think you start to repair that a little bit? Because I do feel I read a lot of things about that's sort of where it starts to break apart when that trust gets broken for whatever reason. Uh, um, I know um, I have to admit when I'm wrong. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think um, as I've ga- gained more experience, I'm more confident in admitting I'm wrong. Mm. Um, 
it wasn't always so easy at the beginning. And I encourage um, my team, well, I only have a team of one now, but she knows <laughs> I have to encourage her. It's like, I may, if I forget to get back to you, you, you know, you have to remind me, don't worry about, please remind me. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah. just, I've got a lot of information, you know, that I'm trying to get in, get out. And sometimes I, I get behind. So um, that is one thing that I do. Yeah, I think if you know that you didn't get back to them in a certain time, you need to recognize it mm. and then, you know, acknowledge it, apologize and and move forward. I mean, nobody's perfect and we all know that. And so I'm sure we've all been guilty of those situations, but it's how you handle it um, that can either break or build the trust. Sometimes that can even build trust by mm-hmm. doing sure. that uh, because then you've got an understanding there. I'm a big believer in second chances too. And, you know, unless there's a pattern um, in general, I mean, things come up. Mm-hmm. People make mistakes. We're all human, but oh, I, like I yeah. No, I agree. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I would just say acknowledging it and letting them know that it won't happen again or you're going to do your best to resolve this and, you know, I'm going to fix it. I think just being able to let them know you're aware that something happened and that you're taking steps to to make build that trust back. All right. Awesome. I think, I think again, good, good piece of advice from experienced individuals here. I think that always helps our listeners. That will leave us with just one topic of the day, and that is Ashley's. And it is an interesting one. And uh, that was kind of the buzz before we got into the studio here. So <laughs> um, I'll let you describe it, Ashley. Go ahead and take it away. Absolutely. So um, it was a new piece for me. We, we had moved into a new building uh, about a year or so ago, and we're now being... Um, we have elevators, more more professional type elevators, and you're you know surrounded by whether it's coworkers or people from different companies as well. And recently, I uh, actually got stuck in the elevator with somebody from a different floor, and I just started thinking like, what is elevator etiquette? Like, who should be <laughs> who should be pushing the alarm button, and who should be doing you know different things like that? So I thought it would be interesting just to kind of talk through what elevator etiquette is and quiz you guys to see if you have it. So um, one of the things that I actually recently did and kind of paid attention to is within our elevators, there is a a pass key thing that some floors need and um, we don't, but it's only on one side of the elevator. And I typically get in on the side that does not have that key code just out of politeness. So I won't have to move for people that need to come in and do their key pass. So I wanted to ask you guys, when you walk in, where do you typically walk in? Where do you go? Right, left, front, back? I'm in the center. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm in the back in a corner. So I'm, I'm with you, Lynn. Oh, I mean, not usually at the same time. Right. But I, yeah. I would probably go to the opposite right, corner. Yeah, Nothing against you. You'd be in a corner you. and right, I'd be in right, a corner. Yeah. Yeah, do you, I, I don't know. Would you go front or back? I'd go back just oh, yeah, because back. of the because of the buttons being there. So I would hit my button and and get out of the way for the Even most part. Even if it's part. just yourself in the elevator, probably yeah. yeah <laughs> just because if somebody, I mean, you know, if there are a couple floors yet, people come down. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, because um, um, yeah, because people could come on and off. Yeah, in between. So I just go in the back right away, and and, and I don't know that I necessarily think about it. I just I just do it. I don't, I don't really. I don't have a reason other than the buttons are on the front, so I'm going to go away from those. I, th- <laughs> I think I'm usually, you know, either coming for the day or leaving, and I think the wall is propping me. 
I think that's really probably what's happening. <laughs> well, and I'm not standing in the center when people come in. Uh-huh. Just to clarify, but I'm you not like having the space, people walk around you? me. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as the doors open, you quick scamper back? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I do. <laughs> well, I will tell you that based on the statistics, you all are doing the wrong thing. Oh, jeez. Um, and also based on where our uh, floor is compared to everybody else. If you're going to be the first one to get off, you should ah. be in the front of the elevator mm. because otherwise you're making other people move in order for you to get off. Huh. See, I guess I was always thinking the leaving part, not the coming part. Because usually when I oh. get here, I'm by myself. So, just, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, well, then that, I mean, then you're, they're, <laughs> right. you're correct, I guess. Okay. So, so then you have to pay attention to all the floors that people are pushing and then start <laughs> moving around in the little square. <laughs> or, I, well, I, I don't think that's the, the purpose of it, but I would say more so if you know you're going to be the first one to get off, like we're on the first floor to get off at our building, you probably should be on the front gotcha. because knowing that people are coming in will be higher than huh, us. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, but, we failed that one. What's the next one? <laughs> <laughs> Etiquette's overrated. Uh, yes, absolutely. So <laughs> another piece that um, people have been talking about a lot is, you know, having conversations in the elevator. If your cell phone rings before, after, or while you're in the elevator, what do you do? Not answer it. My phone never rings. <laughs> I, I never hear it. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't answer the phone. Just I don't. I'd feel awkward with people being in the proximity like that. Oh yeah. Good answers. All right. Yay. Yes. Ding, you ding, guys ding. passed that one. One for two. Absolutely. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just one of the standards. You don't want to talk. And even if it's just a colleague that you're having a conversation with, you have to be aware that um, other people are listening. I mean, there's no way to get around that. So, you know, if it's a, a professional conversation or a casual conversation, try to minimize that. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. But I've been with coworkers who are talking, and I've listened to other people on the elevator, and I just feel, yeah, <laughs> I'd rather just ride in silence. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So uh, a lot of times when you're leaving work um, or even getting on to go into the elevator, it is uh, maybe a little too crowded. Uh, so if it's just you standing there, do you push in or do you tend to wait? I usually would say just like, oh, I'll grab the next one. And then, I mean, if everybody in the other is, no, no, there's room, then I'll, then I'll go in. But, I, I mean, typically you're not in that much of a rush that I can't wait another 30 seconds or minutes or whatever. So that's what I would say. <laughs> I think I would ask them, is there room or no? <laughs> oh, I think I have asked before. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. If for me, if it looks crowded, I'll just say I'll catch the next one because... Bottom line, I prefer to be alone. <laughs> yeah, that back corner <laughs> spot oh, yeah. taken. <laughs> you have to go through a few people to get to the back corner. <laughs> because to Ashley's point, I have gotten stuck in an elevator, and I was thankful I was by myself. <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's not a. It's an awkward uh, conversation area when you're stuck in an elevator with somebody you don't know. Yes, and you guys are all right. I mean, it's really one of, another big don't and pet peeve is to don't squeeze in. I mean, nobody likes to be within that type of proximity with people they don't know. So it's, it's good to just pass and take the next elevator. 
So lastly, I will wrap things up. Um, There's a lot of do's and don'ts. And I thought one of my biggest don'ts is, um, or one of the things that bothers me the most, is when I'm trying to get off the elevator and people are trying to come on Mm. while I am doing that. So just an (laughs) alert out there. Be courteous to those that are trying to get off. Just wait a few seconds. Um, But is there anything else that you guys feel that? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa, Before that was quick. I finish I'm really <laughs> passionate about elevator etiquette today. No, one of the things that drives me crazy, if if somebody knows that somebody's coming towards the elevator and you're the only one in the elevator and you don't hold the door open for them. Yes. I mean, one time it's happened where it started closing and I tried to open it and it didn't, but I felt so bad if I was going to run into that person because they think I like right. totally... <laughs> If it was me, though, you don't have to feel bad because I would prefer to to gamble (laughs) that I could get on the next one by myself. But I've got the back corner spot open for you. (laughs) No, that's a good one. And I I would strongly emphasize the waiting to get on the elevator because it's, you know, there's a good chance somebody's on the elevator and just stay back. Let them get. I I would like to emphasize that one because that one's really, really bothersome (laughs) to me. Well, sometimes it can take a while to get an elevator and. You know? Yeah, just just chill. Just everyone relax. Patience. Just everyone relax. Hey, I know this world is fast moving. We want everything now. It's okay. Just relax for a minute. Okay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I guess my uh, one thing is, and it kind of hits at something you talked about earlier, Ashley, is when uh, the elevator is full and someone is going to, is trying to get off, I actually get off of the elevator mm-hmm. and hold the door so I can get back on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I have to let um I have to let you know everyone know that hey I'm getting back <laughs> on so don't leave without me. <laughs> Cuz actually um I was just at the Brewers game on Friday and we were on an elevator and it was like there were a lot of people getting off and it was one of those elevators where there was a front and a back door. Mm. Oh, so, yeah. sure. That's going to mess a lot of things up. It messed me up because I didn't know what the heck was going on. And I took my normal position in the back and it was crowded. And little did I know the door opened behind me. Back became the front. (laughs) So me and another woman, we got off. We let everyone else on. But then it was like, you know, you could tell people were like ready to to move. And it's like, we're coming back. So. Well, you guys have passed the test. I believe you all have the elevator etiquette in you. Um, you both pointed out some additional do's that are on the uh, list here. So great job. But again, just things to keep in mind uh, from an etiquette standpoint, whether you're at a sports game or uh, with your coworkers at, in your professional business. All right. Nice. All right. Let's I take like a it. ride. All right. Come on. <laughs> let's all go on the elevator. Let's go down to the down to the ground floor <laughs> together. Well, unfortunately, we are up against the clock, uh, though we did put together a lot of insightful ideas and tips and strategies, whether it be leadership or conferences or even on the elevator, because that, that does happen every day. Unfortunately, we are going to wrap things up, though. So if you would like to suggest topics for discussion on the LJN Radio Quad, just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Perhaps you'd like to learn more tips on etiquette in the workplace, maybe the kitchen or the bathroom or during a meeting. (laughs) We're not going to leave any stone unturned, that's for sure. But for today, we will leave you. And for Lynn Molitor, Liz Dotson, and Ashley Fitzgerald, I am Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.